0: Newspapermen meet such interesting people They know the lowdown, now it can be told I'll tell you quite reliably off the record About some charming people I have known the Media Project gives you a half hour of commentary and analysis on topics relating to the news media in America. And we are here to uh, help guide that conversation. I'm Rex Smith of the Upstate American, formerly editor of the Times Union, with some colleagues here. There's Judy Patrick next to me, who's vice president of the New York Press Association and formerly editor of the Daily Gazette is there is Rosemary Mayo, investigative journalist and professor, and all those kinds of things, and Dr. Alan Shartok, the CEO of Northeast Public Radio, columnist, commentator, political scientist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Dr. Shartok, because you have such a varied resume, because politics and communication all fit into that, let's let you talk about the big sort of earth-shaking news, I suppose you might call it that, of Tucker Carlson, the most popular figure on cable television, being ousted by Fox News, he who was a political commentator extraordinaire with great influence. What in the world happens? Well, you know, your Rexiness, I have no idea. I have to
1: tell you that over the years, I have tried to figure out what other people are thinking when they do things. And in this case, somebody must have been quite scared that something bad was going to happen to them. And therefore, what you saw is what you
0: got. Somebody being the Rupert Murdoch's of the world and his kin. I would think so. Yeah. You think so, Rosemary? Is it just that they they thought another shoe was going to drop?
2: I think that it's more than one thing. We keep looking for, you know, the one thing, Mm. the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think it was a number of things. I think it was. He definitely has a problem with women. And certainly Fox has had issues with that in the past. O'Reilly and Roger Ailes himself have been booted out because of issues with women. The messages that came out in the discovery during their latest defamation case showed that he had a very toxic workplace. He, very low opinion, used words and slurs against them that are just unacceptable everywhere. There is another lawsuit pending against Fox brought by one of uh, Tucker's producers that threatens to harm them. His emails were largely responsible for, and he was slated to be the first witness in the defamation suit. I'm sure that didn't please them. They do not like law lawsuits at Fox and then there are all the messages that we only saw parts of As bad as they were, there are redacted parts, which I hope will come out in further litigation. And I suspect that they show some really mean and hateful things against Rupert and his sons. And they don't like that. They're rich and powerful, and they do not need to be defamed by their employees. Judy Patrick, do you think this is going to make any difference?
3: Yeah, we talked a little bit about whether it will make a difference in Fox's programming. It may make a little bit of a difference in terms of who replaces him. But... We've seen controversial hosts replaced at Fox before, and sometimes it just ramps up the issue. I mean, Glenn Beck departed, Bill O'Reilly departed, Bretta Van Susteren departed, Megan Kelly departed, and things just got worse. You know, for me, in this up is down, down is up world, what we've been living in the last, what, six years or so, you throw away your belief in conventional wisdom, but this brought home the idea, the notion to me that everyone is replaceable. It's the platform, not the person. Tucker Carlson thought he was bigger than the network, and the network clamped down and said, no, you're not. Now we're all trying to figure out why. An hour after the New York Times wrote the story about the potential explosive material in the redacted messages, we saw Tucker Carlson put out his own little video, a kind of a rambling thing it looked like Mm -hmm. from his basement, you know, Mm -hmm. shades of what they criticized Joe Biden for, (laughs) (laughs) in which he's basically saying that the truth will prevail. I agree that I think there's something in the redacted messages. Fox didn't do anything when Tucker was supportive of the Kremlin. Fox didn't do anything when Tucker was supportive of racist, misogynistic memes. Everyone who's in management knows, especially if you're in the news business, that reporters, producers, photographers are probably saying bad things about you, criticizing your leadership in one way or the other. And I think the Murdochs have thick enough skins to know some of those things. But the New York Times story talked about the fact that the board finally got a look at the redacted messages. I don't know why they didn't look at them just before the trial got underway and whatever is in them was just too much
1: so for the uninformed among us who are Uh-oh. listening no we're listening with us uh, so, no uninformed listeners here so so interesting what you're saying Can you give us a little background on what was in those messages?
3: So we don't know what was in those messages, but it was thousands and thousands of emails, text messages, between and among the Fox news personalities, producers, and even some politicians, in which they were talking about programming, about putting people on the air. And Dominion got those messages as part of its civil lawsuit against Fox and a lot of the information today was explosive. It showed a clear pattern in which the Fox News hosts knew what was wrong, and they were airing it anyway. But in that lawsuit, Tucker Carlson was not the most offensive person. I mean, there were other news personalities that did far more to damage the Dominion's reputation than Tucker Carlson. But Tucker had the most
2: explosive information about what was going on in the workplace around him. And here's another thing. Why? I've been asking this from the beginning. Why did Fox let that go as far as it did? Why didn't that they settle the case? settled mm-hmm. months or years earlier. None of that would have come out. We're only
0: speculating, discovery. of course, but it does seem as though that had to be a decision made in the executive suite mm-hmm. rather than with good advice of lawyers. Because the lawyers, the more sensible people looking at the power of what the plaintiffs were able to obtain in discovery would have said, No way. Well, let's wait. But to wait until there's actually a jury seated, then the damage has already been done. You know, your lawyers are telling you when you've got a bad defamation case, get this out of the way before this stuff comes out into
2: public. I I mean, I would even go back before then. If anyone knew, if anybody had a lawyer or an executive had said what's in the email that they would get, which you knew was going to come out in discovery, you would have stopped it right there. So there's some bad management at Fox bad Going management. on here too exactly, Really bad could have prevented this And and so I would
0: think that the next person to go Is probably not necessarily an air personality air person. But it would perhaps yeah. be the CEO of Fox News If I were Rupert Murdoch counsel Somebody like that I would Judy, say, you look like you're going to say
1: something
3: well, I, Also, the board itself I understand that there were thousands and thousands of emails And the board wasn't inclined to read all thousand. But perhaps if it's a fiduciary board They're responsible for the financial well-being of the company, I think they should have taken a harder look, done it sooner than two days before the trial began.
0: What's astounding to me, having worked for a big media company which was heavily lawyered, is that there weren't protocols in place for employees to understand not to put <laughs> stupid stuff into email.
1: When you work well, for the Hearst, were there? Six, um, well,
0: you're um, always told if rule you're Rule number you're one in investigative it, reporting, right. you don't put it in writing. Don't put big stuff in writing that's important. Don't you? Exactly. In, Anything in that's
2: doubt if you if you find something in your reporting like it could blow up the whole idea of the story and you're really worried about it the first thing you want to do is talk to a boss You talk to them in person, face-to-face. You don't put it in writing because that could come out against you.
0: That's right. It is sloppiness to use email for that. It's arrogance also, which could well be what brought down, Mm. imagine that, Tucker Carlson being arrogant. Yeah,
3: they thought they were invincible. They could put Mm. it in an email. They didn't care. They knew that the company would have their back, and so they did so. How do
0: you know the difference between they thought
1: they were invincible or they were just stupid? (laughs)
3: <laughs> or, or, or arrogant Or he's up in Maine And there's maybe this is the fastest way for him to communicate and Tucker Carlson, his studio was up in Maine That's where he broadcast, has broadcast from For, oh, for a few years I know, I know. Oh, the, my Picking gosh. up a phone takes a little Which bit of time Which you know
0: is an interesting point Given the diffusion of workplaces these days The lack of supervision It shows that even uh, big stars Need to have somebody to hold their feet to the fire To keep them tethered And I think that actually It's a good lesson for even smaller news organizations to think about the value of having people in place. You know, our newsrooms these days often have people spread all over the place. There are very few people working in newsrooms. They're working from home. They're working from Stewart shops or something like that. And this is dangerous because young journalists and stars like Tucker Carlson need to have somebody to tell them, now, wait a minute, or need to have somebody who they can bounce things off of in person, as Rosemary says. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't the problem, Rex,
1: that leadership is often quite arrogant and they don't want to be told this is the wrong road to go down?
0: I think it is a leadership issue from the start at Fox News, and that is because leadership has the same level of arrogance, the same disregard for ethical standards that Tucker Carlson is displaying. If your CEO is willing to tolerate the kind of untruth that is the fundamental message of Fox News, then that makes everybody think that they don't need to bother with any other of the sort of fundamental ethics of workplace behavior or journalism or even human interaction. So yes, I think it's, as they say, a dead fish stinks from the head. And that is exactly what you've got. At Fox News
2: One of the fallouts Of firing Tucker Has been a drop In ratings At least in these Early stages That Fox has noticed And a skyrocketing Of new viewers Turning to even further To the right media Newsmax For
0: example Got five times The audience At the 8 p.m. hour That they used to have With another Former Fox star Eric Bowling, Anchoring at 8 p.m.
3: You know I've been Watching Newsmax Because we're all Trying to figure out Why Why Tucker What happened What's going on at Fox So if you tune into Newsmax You find out why? It's because Fox is going to the left.
0: Oh, <laughs> Fox is yeah. so far to wow. the left. What a different universe we're in
3: over yeah. there. I mean, this is the real focus of their program, is in primetime at least, where they just are bashing Fox leadership, where Fox is headed. And they've got you know, Rudy Giuliani as a nightly staple. And it's fascinating to watch. Their viewership is, is increasing. Maybe it's people like me just curious about what they will say. But that Fox has been trying to go to the centrist point of view. But no, they're going more than centrist. They're going left, according to Newsmax. Oh, Wow. Fascinating. wow.
1: So I wanted to ask you because you know, I'm always watching you as a symbol of
3: <laughs> um, something. Oh, here what's, we go. That's
1: <laughs> going where my, my question, Judy, is why are you concerned with all of this?
3: I am concerned because Fox is such a powerful influencer of public opinion. I mean, I deal with people every day who, whatever Tucker Carlson said the night before, they're repeating. And it's not necessarily that they're watching Tucker Carlson, it's that someone they know or someone, yeah, two or three times removed has told them. And he's been influential. And I think. Whoever has that 8 o'clock time slot is going to be equally influential. I'm not
0: sure they will. I think Tucker had a unique ability to be the message setter. Maybe you're right. Maybe whoever takes that slot. But Tucker Carlson was uniquely in two different roles on the playing field, if you want to use the sports analogy. He was both the quarterback for the right-wing team and the great cheerleader. He would define what the message could be for the far right, and then the politicians who were schooled by Tucker would use those messages, and he would egg them on and cheer them. And I don't know that anybody else has quite, at least at this point, has that capacity, that sort of earnestness with his trademark sneer at the same time.
2: And to return to Newsmax, there's an audience for this. There's an audience yeah. for that brand of white supreme, anti-woman, anti-left, just rhetoric, anti-anything that anti Anti-books. In... Yeah. He, he only liked Putin. I think Putin was the only only thing he ever came out positively for. So what do you do
0: if you're a legitimate journalist, by which I mean you don't work for Fox News, what do you do... That's an
3: easy definition. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's
0: very Rexian. <laughs> I mean, I have in front of me this article where a writing coach is saying journalists must take responsibility for what readers know. If you are convinced, yeah, as Judy, you're saying that, you know, people are parroting these untruths, and you're a journalist whose fundamental goal is to help people understand the truth of what lies beyond their own experience... How do you combat that kind of misinformation?
3: Right, and it's clear writing. It's, I think it boils down to you've got to avoid the euphemisms, you've got to get to the point, and you've got to not be mealy-mouthed about what you're writing about. You've got to give everybody a fair hearing, but at the end of the day, you've got to bring your own intellect to your story and produce something That sheds light on a topic. You have to call out the
2: liars, too, not to point to anyone but certain panelists on the roundtable who will say, well, you know, MSNBC does the same thing. No, No. they don't. There's no comparison. (laughs) That's right. And that has to be called in on Facebook and on any social media platform you're on when you hear, oh, they're all the same. When Hillary is the same as Trump and media is corrupt, no, that is not what's going on here. And I think that we're just way too careful. I think that we have to start saying, show me the proof of that please yeah you know
0: it's difficult because what actually happens to the human brain to the body when you hear anger and the kind of commentary you actually uh, release adrenaline people actually get a dopamine get high, uh, from uh, it. high and they want more of it it becomes almost an addiction like uh, you would be addicted to a drug so this kind of stuff it is addictive which is why friends of mine who are on the right watch fox news all the time And they're a little embarrassed when I call them on it. But still, it becomes the thing they can't stand to not watch. Right. And so they begin to believe it. And you, it is hard to fight that high. It's hard to find something that will occupy that space and give people the emotional rush that the release of that adrenaline does for people when they hear the nastiness that's on Fox.
3: And, well, one of the worst things you can say to a reporter or, or to an editor or to a newspaper is that you're not being fair. And I think when I was a reporter and when I was an editor, when someone would call up and challenge me and say, you're not, Being fair, it really hurt. So I was conditioned to bend over backwards. But I think we need to school this current generation of journalists to be brave about it and to stand their ground and to take the criticism, but to not take it to heart. Do you think that there are too many editors? Oh, oh, no, no, no.
1: (laughs) 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 That you report to that that aren't understanding of what you've just said.
3: So there was an older generation of editors from the 50s and 60s where both sides' journalism was key and the author of the piece Rex mentioned talks about all these old retired editors and talking about standards that they themselves did not uphold when they were in office. So that's why you need young people in the office and you know what there's no one more brave than a young journalist challenging an editor. I mean they do it all the time and Mm. they just need to do it more and in the J schools they need to encourage that and to teach these lessons Well
1: Rex You were an editor For a long time mm-hmm. um, My question is Did you get that kind of
0: Testiness From the people Who work for you? Testiness about us As leaders yes, of yeah, us uh, And about oh, issues Oh I think Everybody knows That management Is not widely regarded Highly uh, By uh, the people Who <laughs> How else can we Phrase yeah, yeah. that Uneasy You know Alan You're in charge here And we may not know whatever nasty thing That people say about But there's always second guessing Of those who are in charge You have to have some Certainly not about me No no. In
2: editing and in school I've seen a difference So it used to be When I started out That I would have to Fight back against A journalist To hold them Before they would Jump off the ledge That they were bold And outspoken And now I find I'm Pushing them towards the ledge It's like no You have more information than that Be bolder Stand up And I always thought It was a healthy thing When they were fighting me Mm -hmm. I I don't see enough of it now To be honest I think the quality Of people coming in Journalism is much reduced from the 70s, and this is one symptom of that.
0: Well, and as you know, Rosemary, having been an investigative reporter, one of the qualities that editors look for in hiring an investigative reporter is, are you gonna to be tough? And I always appreciated, uh, although it was hard to swallow sometimes, the testiness, the scratchiness of our investigative team because these are people who were, by definition hard to manage because for heaven's sake, you want them to be out there pushing the envelope. But as somebody who was in charge of them or dealing with them, did you
1: let them know that that was a value that you appreciated?
0: I think so. And sometimes you just have to nod your head and walk away from a conversation when you've got an investigative journalist who is offensive to you personally, or and it can be a management challenge because those kinds of people, if they're in positions of authority, can inflict pain upon other people.
2: Oh, and they're going to investigate you, too. Anything you do is a suspect is the people mm-hmm. they're looking at. We used to do an exercise in investigative reporting class. We put a big red envelope on every student's desk, and it would say, do not open until instructed. And at first, you know, you'd always have someone who opened it. And then no one opened it. And if they did open it, there was a note saying, Congratulations, here's $25. <laughs> because that was someone who was who's disobeying the rules curious wanted to know what it was and you know defied authority
0: right but that was actually my investigative reporting professor my great mentor that we was gave... at
1: Columbia wasn't it? it? Was indeed... well, you he's... graduated first in your he's... class <laughs> he's,
0: he's 96 years old I'm right. gonna see him this weekend Mel <laughs> Mencher, he was the author of the best-selling journalism textbook in the country we gave, we had buttons that said question authority which at that time sounded like a bold thing to do but it was his way of saying you need to be doing This and he was a jerk The dean of the journalism school would say They eventually convinced him to take an Early retirement because he was Too much of a thorn in the flesh Of the authority figures who he Worked for even at a journalism school so Yeah investigative reporting but that's Different from being a jerk Like we were talking about Tucker Carlson Being somebody who says Offensive things who uses The kinds of language About political figures and bosses And so on is this is a sort of test of what kind of a human being you are, not just what kind of a tough reporter you are. Tucker Carlson's not a tough investigative reporter. He's just no. a big mouth. There's no commitment to truth. There's no commitment to trying to find things out that others are trying to keep away from you. That is all about making himself the show and making himself big for the public to see.
3: Yeah, an entertainer,
2: I think. More an than, entertainer. Than, than, and he and, made so much money and $20 million won so much Peter. success from doing that. We say that we want truth seekers and honest brokers of the truth, but we really don't. We reward the others. We reward the Tucker Carlson's of the world. Yeah, the The Don Lemons.
3: Yeah, the reporters going to the zoning board meetings and the planning board, and they're getting thirty thousand dollars a year, and they're driving ten-year-old cars, and they're eligible for food stamps, living with their parents.
2: Oh
0: dear. Yeah, Don Lemon. We ought to mention who lost his job at CNN. At uh, bye just bye. within hours, uh, you know there is so sorry. not a lot of love lost <laughs> nope. there, right? I mean, nope. what became problematic for him? I mean, he—I think people like the fact that he was a kind of a commentator, a slightly milder version of Tucker Carlson. But then they moved him to a morning show, and he said this ridiculously offensive thing about women in their prime.
3: He said and, it once in one and hour, and then repeated it. Double down on yeah, it, yeah, yeah, god yeah gosh, what it, could he have been thinking? Right, but then they sent him to school apparently. <laughs> re-education, re-education camp. education camp. Yeah. And then two months later, he's gone, and the talk around town was that it was this one interview he did with a minor GOP candidate over guns, and this interview was the final straw, and if you listen to the interview, it's a terrible interview. It's the, he, They always do terrible the, interviews. It, did he have any good ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, and if the purpose of the interview is to let the person at least explain what their position is. He didn't do that at all. He didn't let Poppy Harlow talk. It was a mess of an interview, and that alone was probably not the reason he was let go, but maybe there was more.
0: But here's the difficulty, that these right-wing media outlets are so influential. They are providing a safe space for all kinds of blather, let's say, the untruths that are being fomented by those on the right, but it is Hard to find an equal space for conversation that disputes that. And so many people believe it, that it is really what is influencing much of the division in the country today. I don't know how you take that on. If, if Fox is concerned about Newsmax being even further to the right, then the Republican Party is going to go further in that direction. And the anti-democratic thrust that is now prevalent in so much the Republican Party is going to just get stronger.
3: Yeah, where will Tucker Carlson end up? Is he going to have a podcast? Is he going to ha- end up at Newsmax? Maybe he'll end up at CNN.
0: He's already been fired from <laughs> CNN. He's only 53. Yeah, he that's will. very, he never very has young. to work again. Yeah, well, yeah but
3: you come on.
2: He's, gonna, he's still going to collect $20 million for the next couple of years. I don't, don't have, care where he ends up.
0: Well, <laughs> yes, you would if he runs for president. Mm, so wow. think about this. We had a former weathercaster, Sarah Palin, almost became vice president. <laughs> we had a former anchor, <laughs> Carrie Lake, almost became a governor. <laughs> Mehmet Oz, nearly... Went to the Senate We did have some Entertainment Oh yeah There was Ronald Reagan Reagan. And there was Donald Donald Trump Trump. So let's think about this I think you should worry (laughs) I think he is Tremendously popular He he has has great Communication skills It was said about Carrie Lake When she announced For governor of Arizona And let's remember She was an anchor In Phoenix One of the ten Largest media markets In America That if you have The skills to be An anchor in a major Media market You are very Definitely qualified To be an influential Candidate She didn't quite make it But she almost got elected governor of Arizona, and so I think we have good reason to fear Tucker Carlson as a major candidate in this country.
3: Yeah, he could even fund his own campaign, I think. Watt, his wealth <laughs> you could start
0: is... it. Yes, you bet. Anyway, folks, there are probably other issues to talk about. If you wish to have your point of view here, send us email, media at wamc.org, and we will make some use of that in next week's show. I'm Rex Smith here with Judy Patrick and Rosemary Armeo and Dr. Alan Shartok, and we're very happy to have you on the Media Project. We should make note of the fact that there is another media case, by the way, making its way toward the Supreme Court in the fall, they're going to take up this Social media case that arises Similar to a a conflict that They had when Trump was president Donald Trump barred people from His Twitter account and Was sued on that because There is a question of whether public officials Can block critics from Commenting on their social media accounts If they are using those social media accounts For official business. Now, Twitter May be losing steam under Elon Musk. It has Far fewer users than it used to have. I've stopped using Twitter. I think a lot of folks have. But still, something else will rise to take its place. And the question of the power of social media as a vehicle for public information is out there. And the question is, can the court intervene to say, you may think that your social media account is private, but if you use it as a public official, you have to allow other people to comment on that. It's just an interesting question of the law, I think. Well, what do you make of it? Well, I think that you can't use it as a sword and a shield. You can't say that, like other elements of First Amendment law, you can't say that this Twitter account is how I am going to disseminate public information and then say, but you, the public who employ me, can't have access to it. But that's a difficult thing because then you get into the question of, well, does that apply to everybody in public life? Does it apply to not-for-profit, that is, taxpayer-supported entities like WAMC, would you be precluded from barring people from your Twitter account here? So
2: the thing is, this is a really important question, and it should be before our Supreme Court. Um, What are the limits? There have been very few in our history on political discourse, and this is plainly a new form of political discourse. The problem is it's going to go to this Supreme Court, which is anti-press an anti-liberal discourse of any kind. And so they have the power, I think, in deciding this case to put limits on what can and cannot be said on social media. And that makes me very nervous. However,
0: the conservative courts are having their own decisions turned upon them. Disney, for example, is using a right-wing court ruling in its lawsuit against Ron DeSantis, claiming that DeSantis is trying to stifle free speech by taking over management of this uh, real estate entity that controlled the land around Disney World. This is gonna be an interesting First Amendment case in Florida. I actually think Disney, it sounds like, has the upper hand on this, and that Ron DeSantis is in fact trying to stifle free speech. He's going after Disney because they didn't like his so-called don't say gay law.
2: Well, this comes from a Supreme Court that gives individual rights and liberties to corporations. So they said corporations have a First Amendment right, so now now they have to uphold it and I I love the irony of that actually.
3: <laughs> right you're dating back to the Citizens United yes, I case am. where where they said that they have the right to spend money and spending money in support of a candidate is a form of speech and speech mm. is protected. It seems clear to me that if someone is tweeting under an official ownership that they cannot restrict public access. And the court to that. did stop
2: Trump when he tried to stop people making nasty comments. I'm not saying I'm one of them but I made <laughs> attempts to. When I say that you are of course. <laughs> he oh, made attempts right. To cut those people off from
0: coming. There you go. Oh, that's it, folks. We are out. Oh of no!
2: Speaking yeah. of cutting off.
0: Sorry, it's time. Speaking of cutting people <laughs> off, that's all for you. Alan Shartok, <laughs> Rosemary Armeo, Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith. With thanks to our producer Dave Cena. and to you folks for joining us this week once again on the Media Project.
1: Now, publishers of such interesting people.
0: They're the Media Project is a national production of WAMC Northeast and Public and Radio. Our and executive and producer the is Alan Shartok. This week's projectors include WAMC's Alan Shartok, former Times Union editor and current Substack columnist of the Upstate American Rex Smith, Rosemary Armeo, investigative journalist and adjunct professor at RPI in New Albany, and Judy Patrick, former editor of the Daily Gazette and vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association. You can listen to The Media Project anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Such interesting people. Let's give three cheers for freedom of the press.